by you. Hello, my name is Osama Sami, and this is a true story called Mosque Morning and Girls. So how can I get across a message about a gruesome battle which took place 14 centuries ago in Karbala, a city in modern-day Iraq, and still hold your attention? Oh, you the wise but non-initiated? Don't get me wrong, this is not a chronicle about what happened all those centuries ago, rather a story of how modern-day Shiite Australian youth, namely me and a couple of friends, used an ancient ritual to our very modern-day advantage. Don't judge me, but we did this with the intention of getting girls into our bedrooms. Well, not physically, but on our computer screens. Chat rooms were the monster craze one and a half decades ago. The closest I'd ever come to getting lucky with a girl up until that point was in year 12, when I finally summoned roughly two kilograms of courage out of my scrawny frame and asked my crush of three years, the beautiful Spanish dream stopper Sofia, Hey, Sofia, can I borrow your ruler? And when she reached for her pencil case, I blurted out my pickup line. No, I'd love for you to be my ruler. You know, rule over me like a dictator. Without the tyranny, obviously. It was clear I was getting nowhere near her office supplies. I never talked to an Anglo girl after that. Instead, I decided to focus on a place where I had a home ground advantage, the mosque. At least the young Muslim girls there understood me. Or so I thought. In one sentence, and without making it a death sentence for you, the occasion was Ashura, a solemn ten-night ritual in the Islamic calendar. It commemorates the bloody slaying of our hero, Imam Hussein, the Prophet's grandson, and his companions at the hand of the tyrant, Yazid, and 10,000 of his dudes. March 16, 2002, six days after my 19th birthday. I hit the mosque to do some heavy-duty mourning. My real aim, though, was to score the chatroom nickname of Huda, the girl whose long eyelashes fed my new obsession. This was day one, and I'd arrived super early, less to do with divine reasons and more to do with securing the closest possible parking space. I parked my car sideways, spreading it across three spaces in order to reserve a spot for my two mates. Mo Muscles, nicknamed Mr. Universe, announced his arrival with a series of beeps in his lowered Nissan 300ZX. He stepped out wearing a tight, crisp shirt, looking like a mane about to burst. Then, our other friend Sayyid arrived with his father in a shirt he'd been wearing for five years in a row. I was grateful to have Sayyid as a friend, because without him, I would have had the lowest status in the pack. I had a rusty Datsun coupe. He had nothing. The two spaces I'd reserved were both for Mr. Universe because he didn't want anyone scratching his sports car. Almost immediately, Huda eyelashes and her esteemed GP father walked past us and suddenly my heart sped like a Formula One racer. I greeted her dad with a solemn face and hoped she'd raise her lash canopy and lock eyes with me. But she was either too shy or uninterested. 
for five nights we continued this routine. I tried to make an impression and Huda ignored me. On the sixth night, I tried to play it extra cool when she was in sight. I faked a macho row with my mates yelling, I'm not gonna put up with this anymore. From now on, it's my rules or your family jewels. The boys played along since it was actually Mr. Universe's idea. He'd said, bro, you have to show her you're a boss. Girls dig a guy who shows them who's boss. Needless to say, Huda was far from dishing out her chat room name, if she had one even. Not to be dissuaded, I headed inside, found a spot near the pulpit and sat down. The closer you were to the pulpit and the cleric, the closer you were seen to be to God. The optics suited me perfectly. The clerics always tried to come up with innovative ways to preach, since they knew it was hard yakka not falling asleep during their sermon. So they mixed in stuff to try and sound hip with the young crowd. And Imam Hussein spread his message not using the internet or a Bluetooth, but through peace and sacrifice. Every night, a new savvy analogy. My best chance with Huda eyelashes came on the seventh night. We were about to stage a play creatively titled Ashura, the day Imam Hussein was martyred. And here's where it got interesting. Our play was to go on a live feed to the segregated women's section, meaning our acting chops were put on display on large plasma screens to the Shiite sheilas. I was supposed to play Imam Hussein's assassin Yazid, but somehow I was shit scared. Since I was bad enough in the real world, I thought I should maybe atone by being the good guy. Also, I couldn't decide if playing an axe-wielding homicidal maniac would banish me forever from Huda's mind. With my limited courting skills, I turned to questionable sources, namely Mr. Universe, for advice. He told me with the certainty that Pluto was a planet, girls loved a bad boy. I needed no more encouragement and agreed to play the villain. Sadly, the poorly applied over-the-top makeup combined with the costumes made out of red bedsheets meant I stepped on stage looking like a sexually confused homo sapien. But I didn't care, so pressed on, acting my cape off. After the show, the director scoffed, for a person who doesn't eat pork, there was sure a lot of ham on stage. I removed my makeup and hessian sack and joined the circle of chanting chest beaters. I had a girl to impress after all. Sayyid was responsible for making us weep every night. In theory, we were meant to beat our chests to the rhythm of Sayyid's chant. Rule of thumb was, the harder you hit yourself, the more spiritual you were. The cunning boys that we were, we couldn't let this opportunity pass us by. First, we took off our black shirts, revealing tight singlets underneath. Then, while still beating our chests, we took turns to step in front of the camera and flaunt our pumped up biceps to the girls in the adjacent hall. The same way as gym memberships in Australia peak, just after the Meteorology Bureau's announcement of a week-long heatwave, with us Shiites, 
it was the 10-day Ashura period. We'd hit the gym hard, focusing on arms and chests and arms and arms. Knowing we would appear on the flat screen TVs, we hit ourselves all the harder and more passionately in the hope that we'd look both devout and ripped. We stocked an anti-inflammation cream in our cars to relieve the excruciating pain caused by our zeal. Whenever I winced and whinged about the pain, Mr. Universe reminded me, Bro, how much is this girl worth to you? Remember, the more she's out of your league, the more you have to suffer. Just before the event finished, close to midnight, Sayyid, Muscles and I rushed to the mosque's courtyard to our heavily modified noisy cars and turned them on. Dead serious believing this turned girls on. I started my Datsun up. It bellowed, first in pain, then in rage. Mr Universe nodded his head like a baboon and I knew what he meant. Huda and the girls were beginning to funnel out. I duly sat inside the car, seat back enough for my head to appear through the rear passenger window and floored the gas pedal. The car and part of the asphalt underneath me trembled. Bro, chicks orgasm each time they hear the sound of your $800 exhaust pipe, said Mr. Muscles, pointing to my newly installed noise generator. You know why, bro? Cause girls love a big pipe. To keep the theme of piousness going and make sure the fathers didn't get suspicious of our schemes, I made sure a religious hymn was blaring from the sound system. I'd splurged a further one and a half grand for the sound system on my $360 Datsun. The heavy makeover made my cheap Datsun look like a donkey in a wedding gown. Still, I felt cool as a Persian cat. Huda snuck a look. A bug's time of a second, it was enough. I sprung out of the car, casual, like the mafioso in movies. Both legs touching the ground first, then the whole body out, standing upright, adjusting my shirt and sniffing the air with disdain. I had to show that I was one inch away from starting a fight, while simultaneously appearing gentle enough that I wasn't going to. It was a torturous emotional tightrope. It really wore me down. But I had an ace up my sleeve. As Huda eyelashes walked past, I used a cliched move and cleared my throat to get her attention. (coughs) Clearing phlegm at high decibels is never an attractive sound. I wanted to bring up the play but the conversation played out completely differently in the real world. Doctor, I cried on autopilot. Her father stopped. So did Huda, as well as my heart. I think I may have damaged a part of my body during the beating. Can you examine it? All the while, I was praying I didn't blurt out, can your daughter examine it? Which was the only truth in that conversation. The ointment you're using is good he said breezily and galloped away from our circus. Huda never looked at me. Or maybe she did and I just never saw it because I was too scared to look at her whilst talking to her father. To be honest, the pain from getting the cold shoulder was worse than the physical pain circling my skeletal system. 
during the 10-day mourning period, I'd go MIA for a night or two, you know, so I'd be missed. It was a ploy some of the seasoned campaigners had taught me. Girls didn't like guys who were always in their face. So I took the next night off and stayed at home thinking about how Huda was feeling staring into that plasma screen devoid of my mugshot. On the last night, the plan was simple. Using Arnold Schwarzenegger's mantra of pushing yourself on the last rep, we pushed our bodies to receive self-abuse beyond God's quota. The girls were going to eye their favourite boy on the screens and there was no turning back. Knowing my cards had been played right, I saw it was time to hand the girls my royal flush, namely my chatroom codename. The operation involved getting my sister, our informant, to casually drop our chatroom names mid-conversation to other girls. I had told her this was a social experiment. Ah, uh, you see, sis? I want to know how stupid my chatroom name sounds. And if you get the other girls, maybe Huda Eyelashes, to tell you her chatroom name, we can compare who is more stupid. I had told her nervous like a Muslim in US custody. Our hard work paid off. My sister came back with gold, a list written down and handed to her in confidence. The only problem was the girls used extremely unsexy chat room names. In fact, they read more like number plates and so they were very hard to identify. They never ever revealed their true names for fear of getting caught. Despite my assurances that I'd keep a secret, each and every XLM1000 and ZBBR17 I came across remained anonymous and focused on boring conversation. I learned to enjoy the chats eventually and they did get naughty and raunchy. On one occasion, one girl wrote, I saw you beat your chest good today. Ooh, so devout. That was so yum. That was enough fuel for me to start planning and plotting for next year. Guilt had never felt so good. True Stories Season 2 is inspired by the new three-part documentary season, Untold Australia. It airs over three weeks, starting 8.30pm, Wednesday 13th of April on SBS. Check out www.sbs.com.au forward slash Untold Australia for more details. True Stories is an SBS online production. Mosque, Morning and Girls was written and read by Asama Sami. Music and sound by James Cecil. Executive producer Kylie Bolton. Producer Megan Gibbon. Illustrator Bren Luke.